Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Working Change. This is Nate. And Marla. And we are here today talking about ADHD. <laughs> this is going to be a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> this is one near and dear to our heart. <laughs> it's, yeah, it really is. It's, it's wonderful. We love it. Um, so... Well, maybe you should tell them why you said that tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> well, I, th- I think people probably know. So I was diagnosed a few years ago with ADHD. And and we were discussing it last night. Like I felt like like um, my diagnoses twenty years earlier of major depressive disorder and generalizing anxiety disorder. It was helpful to know, but I still like something was missing, and I couldn't figure out why I was still struggling so badly. And once I was diagnosed with ADHD, and I started like taking the the advice of the doctors and doing the things that I needed to do. And, and I'm a very low dose of medication, but you know, the medication helps too. Um, things started to really kind of level out for me. Right. Well, I mean, it's understanding who you are. Right. I mean, there was a piece of you that was kind of missing that was just kind of vague and this provided clarity for you. Yeah. Clarity. And then a direction of how to fix those things that were just kind of wild in your life. So what is ADHD? Okay, so the acronym is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And there's actually three different, like, styles of ADHD. Oh, style. Yeah, style's <laughs> not the right word. <laughs> it's three different... Categories? Fl- yeah, three forms. different flavors. I like style. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fun. Okay, so what are the three? So... I'll give you one. Inattention. Right, right. So there's an inattentive... Um, tendency there's mm-hmm. a hyperactive tendency and impulsive then, hyperactivity yeah tendency. And, then, and then there's a mix a mix of both yeah right okay so um do we want to get into the debate of whether it's adhd or add well so <laughs> add is no longer like recognized by clinicians because of the dsm-5 um, but for a long time, ADD was kind of a... Just the name for it. Right. And right. it was like, and it tended to be more assigned to people that had the the inattentive style. Because, you know, when you're calling something hyperactive and you're looking at the person and they're, and they're sitting there... they're not hyperactive. They're, right. The most hyperactive thing is they're twiddling their thumbs because right. they're bored, but... It's just they they have a difficult time. Right, you are an inattentive, right. ADHD. Yeah, people person. Can... You're not hyperactive yeah. by any means. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I get that. Yeah. So those those are kind of the flavors of of ADHD. <laughs> Flavor style is yeah. great. Yeah. Okay, the categories of mm-hmm. ADHD. Yes. Okay. Um. So I think maybe now would be a a good time to kind of look at at what it is. And then mm-hmm. we can come into some other things that are happening right now. Um, so what is ADHD? So I'm going to give you the DSM, just okay. the first part of it. It says a persistent pattern of inattention and or hyperactivity impulsivity that interferes with the functioning at or development as characterized by either inattention or hyperactivity impulsivity. Mm-hmm. So you have the two categories. So if you've got a persistent pattern of this that interferes with your development or your life, you need to look at either the category of inattention or the category of hyperactivity, impulsivity. And within those categories, there are several things that they give you a list of like the list is A through I on one of them. And you need to meet markers of like six of those things in that category to be um, inattentive. Uh-huh. Um, 
the inattentive piece, you know, I mean, you can't pay attention to like close details. Um, you don't, um, sustain attention during a task. I mean, the, the thing that you need to understand about inattentive is, is that they also can hyper focus, which right. we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. So they're not always, you know, going from thing to thing to thing to thing and not never focusing. Um, their focus can actually be like their superpower in some ways. And we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they don't follow through with instructions. They lose their keys or they misplace their wallet or whatever. And I'm, t- <laughs> you have a home for your keys and your wallet, which I, is great. I have to, I have to. Right. Or you just can't remember where they are. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, they have a problem with organizing like tasks and things like that. So a lot of times, like with children, especially girls, they will be really focused on organizing things because they are, you know, they want to be in order because they're anxious about that. Um, and in like boys, they just don't organize anything. Their backpack is like, it got exploded in the inside, you know, just everything is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can't find anything, you mm-hmm. know? So that's kind of, there's more to the inattention. There's more categories, but that would be the inattentive type. Right. Now, um, I think the hyperactive and impulsive one is the one that like people automatically think of when they think of ADHD. It's easier to see that. Yeah. And those are the kids that just can't, or the, the adults that can't keep their hands to themselves. They fidget, they squirm. Um, they're leaving their seat you know, in some situations, they can't sit still, they run about, they climb everything. Mm-hmm. Um, they're uh, unable to play or engage in like just simple activities because they're just, they're on to the next thing, you know? So they don't want to sit for like 20, 30 minutes and play a game, they're, you know, five minutes, we're done. Let's go. Um, sometimes they talk excessively and we've, we've seen that in some people that we know that mm-hmm. have ADHD and they just, they're just always on. Right. We just want to talk. Um, they often blurt out answers. So they're not even raising, they're raising their hand and they're saying it at the same time. They're not even waiting. Right. It's, that's an impulsivity. Yes. Um, so, you know, they have a hard time waiting their turn and doing things like that. So they're just super excited. I like to think of them as super excited about the things that they're doing and they just can't wait. Right. You know, so. Good. Those are the, the the two main parts. And then the combination is, the, you know, you can have both of them. Right, right. Yeah, and and so I think for me, the reason I went on, flew under the radar, radar with my ADHD was because it's inattentive. And and I feel a little bit like, and my, and my doctor admitted this, that, that my case is probably somewhere in the mild to moderate. Right. And those are the daydreamers. Those are the kids that are kind of staring out the window. So you you don't think to think that they have this. You, you're not, you know, you're like, oh, they're just, you know, doing their own thing. They're, they're daydreaming. They're thinking that's cute. You know, it's, it's, but there is something going on. Right. Right. So, um, so now I wanted to just briefly talk about something that some doctors have proposed. Um, Dr. Hallowell and Dr. Rately, who wrote uh, Driven to Distraction and ADHD 2.0, are two psychiatrists that are very well respected mm-hmm. um, and have worked with ADHD patients for a large part of their career. They both also have ADHD. And they have proposed something that they call VAST, and right. it's also an acronym, Variable Attention Stimulus Trait. And so... Vast would is is kind of a larger umbrella. So vast would take 
on people that have ADHD, but it would also take on people that maybe don't fit all the criteria, but do show some symptoms. And, um, and it would, it would expand the amount of people that fall under kind of this ADA, uh, ADHD ish, um, moniker by probably about six times. Mm-hmm. So currently, current estimates are that, that children, five to 10% of children in the U.S. have been diagnosed with ADHD or have ADHD and about two and a half percent of adults. And boys are more likely to get the diagnosis than yes. girls because it looks different in girls. Well, the hyperactivity is more obvious. And, and, and I mean, boys, boys tend to be hyper. Right. Even boys that don't have ADHD right. are, are hyper. I mean, the, some of some of the challenge with this is is some of these things that we're saying you, you would see in normal, normal developing kids. Right. It's just, you know, as the brain develops with with normal functioning kids, these things start to kind of go away. Mm-hmm. Whereas with people with ADHD... Um, they persist, right? And and so that's one of the challenges that you face is is you're dealing with someone who you think maybe shouldn't be doing those types of things at the age that they're at, and it, we all develop at different rates. And so there's there's always that fear that someone's going to look at someone, you know, a child or or another person and be like, well, you shouldn't be doing that based on your age, but but maybe they're just developing a little bit slowly. So the push for vast though mm-hmm. isn't necessarily that like. Everybody is drinking the Kool-Aid and they're, they're coming up with VAST or ADHD. The push for it is, is that our society is changing. Right. We have a lot of electronic stimulation. Mm-hmm. We have phones constantly. Um, the TV is on. You're on your computer, but mainly your phones. We, we've got information coming at us at a rate that no other human, like the history of the human, help me out here. In the, the history, history of, of humankind, human, we've yes. never had this much stimulation. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And so what is our what is the human brain doing with that? We're not built to take in this kind of stimulation. Right. So, you know, Dr. Hallowell is saying vast is this fact that like we have so much stimulation. Our minds as as a society, we have people that look like they have ADHD because they're just overstimulated. Right. And that's so it's interesting that it comes up this week. Um my Supervisor Tony Overbay and I did a podcast on on uh, I think it dropped yesterday Tuesday, and um, in that particular podcast we talked about a book, uh, Dopamine Nation, mm-hmm. written by another psychiatrist Anna Lemke, and she's talking specifically about that phenomenon, right? How our brains have developed in a world where there's not a lot of stimulation, and now we exist in a world with a just massive amount of stimulation and our brains don't know how to handle it. Right. We're kind of on the precipice of seeing what our mind uh, as a human race are going to do with all this stimulation. Right. We don't know how we're going to adapt. Right. So, it's, and that's exciting for some psychologists. Oh, it's, and, I mean, you yeah, know, and psychiatrists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like, whoa. Human, yeah. yeah. There's all sorts of, of things. So Dr. Happen. Hallowell is suggesting that vast is something that we should we should talk about, you know, and, and it's in and ADHD falls under that umbrella. Right. But this isn't necessarily a bad thing because we look at ADHD and when people get that diagnosis, I think a lot of parents are like, oh no, that's a negative thing. You know, my kid's hyper, my kid's inattentive, you know, this is a bad thing. You know, and he's saying, wait, let's celebrate a little bit of this. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's your brain works differently. Right. So please understand how your mind is working. I mean, even the DSM, I was telling you this morning, that it's interesting that 
um, ADHD doesn't fall under like a different kind of category. It falls under a neurological category mm-hmm. in the DSM. Um, that with like uh, cognitive and motor and speech disabilities, you know, so it, it, it's in this area that says your brain works differently right. than the rest of um, the humans out there. Right. So I think really understanding that this is a brain connection issue is important. It, it is important. It is important. Um, I mean, you under, like when you didn't understand that your brain was working differently, but then you got the diagnosis and you went and you understood, oh my gosh, my brain is, is wired differently here. Mm-hmm. And this is how it's wired. So this is how I work. You know, this is how my mind is thinking when other people's minds are thinking like this. This is what I can do to kind of help it. Right. I think that that's really important. It it is. It is. Because ultimately, um, with any kind of of psychiatric disorder, um, understanding what you're dealing with is the key to really living as full a life as you can. Because you can live a full life. You just have to understand how to set up parameters you know, inside yourself, outside yourself in order to manage this, which probably brings us to a good, you know, the the next part to this, which is what causes ADHD. And I always, I always struggle with what causes ADHD, depression, anxiety, like anything. We know what's connected to it. And we're, we're learning more and more about the brain every day. Mm-hmm. And so, so maybe causes too strong of a word, but, but what, what seems to be going on might be a better way to put it. Um, I really like the, uh, the description that, uh, that doctors Holloway and, and Rately give in ADHD 2.0 about what seems to be happening in the brain. So first and foremost, we understand that it's, it's related to dopamine, Mm-hmm. And dopamine is the neurotransmitter that's most associated with uh, learning and motivation and things like that. So people with ADHD have really low dopamine. Um, that that's a problem. That's a big problem. Yeah. Um, for for multiple reasons. You, you know, think about that for a second. The thing that motivates people, they have a very they have a really really low amount of that. Right. Like running around. So so low motivation naturally is 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 going to end up being an issue. Now, the irony with ADHD is your motivation is low for things that you really dislike. Now, you you may have very high motivation for things that you really like. Oh yeah, I see that in you all the time. Yeah. Like when you want to do it, you're like, "Woo! Oh yeah. Let's go." Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. you're like, "Go away everybody, like I'm doing this thing." Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, and so. that's that's kind of one of the challenges with ADHD. But I'm like, "Hey, let's go like do this other people. thing." And you're like, "Uh, yeah, I don't know about that." Like, uh, yeah, it's hard to get motivated yeah. to do things you really don't want to do. Yeah. So it, it's important to to understand that, you know, and and kind of as a as a warning to people, um, I feel like looking backwards, I can see what happened for me. Um, people with ADHD are five to ten times more likely to end up developing an addiction in their life mm-hmm. than than just like standard. People without ADHD or other, you know, significant um, psychiatric conditions. So, I mean, think about that for a second. Five to ten times more likely to develop addiction. That's a really large. That's really huge. Right. Well, you get a drop, dopamine drop right. when, you, when you're an addict. And you that's know, ultimately. Which is what, raising the baseline for your dopamine that's mm-hmm. low. So, yeah. So, Makes sense. Yeah. You know, just keep that, keep that in mind. You know, treatment 
can help with that. You know, learning things, mm-hmm. behavioral things that you can do with people can help with that. So there, you know, get help and, and, you know, see a psychiatrist, you know, a medical doctor, a clinician. Um, my recommendation for diagnoses, unless the clinician specializes in, in ADHD, I would specifically look at medical doctors like psychiatrists, um, psychologists who specialize in, in, uh, diagnoses of, of, uh, DSM conditions that that's where I would look. Right. Um, being a master's level clinician, um, I don't even feel comfortable diagnosing ADHD. Like, like a lot of these other conditions in the, the, the well, it's a neurological thing, you know, right. and we're not specialized. You know, I'm not even, I'm not even licensed. So, you know, um, you don't, you aren't specialized in the neurological, mm-hmm. you know, going to somebody who is, who is a doctor is really important. Yeah. That's, that's what I would, I would recommend people do. Um, so kind of back to what's going on with the person internally. So, so there's, there's, I'll, I'll try to simplify this as much as possible and, and try not to make this too complicated. Um, we have kind of a, a thinking part to our mind where we have like, you know, our ability to daydream and plan and all mm-hmm. of that thing and all those things and think about the past and stuff like that. And then we have something that's more related to doing. And so we have these series of brain structures that work together that are kind of about thinking and reflection and stuff like that. And then we have these other brain structures that work together that have more to do with doing things. Right. And they seem to be on kind of a, a seesaw. I, yeah. Yeah. Like a balance. Okay. So when you're doing something and it's requiring a lot of brain power, the thinking part of your brain, the reflecting, the daydream part of your brain is, is kind of shut off. Right. And, and so you're putting like all of your, your brain power into doing, doing that task, getting that task done, the focus of that task. Right. Now the seesaw can go the other direction. If you're sitting and you're really doing intent reflection and you're really, you know, thinking about planning, you're not really doing like the right. doing part of your brain is kind of shut down. Right. And, and it can, you know, think of it not in terms of, of your only doing or thinking, but think of it in terms right. of. It's not an on or off switch. Right, right. And that was actually something that I misunderstood a little bit. So I was happy to read this because it gave me a little more clarity and, and honestly, it makes more sense. So the issue is, is someone that does not have ADHD has this, this kind of seesaw. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you have ADHD, it's not on a seesaw. What you end up having is the doing part of your brain and the thinking part of your brain are, are trying to work at the same time and you don't have enough like computational power to do that. Mm-hmm. So this is why people with ADHD really struggle with monotonous tasks that they hate because the part of their brain that's supposed to be kind of shut down a little bit so they can focus on what they're doing it it doesn't want to shut down. In fact, what it wants to do is it wants to take over. So <clears throat> I know my dad would get really frustrated with me when I was a kid because he'd be like, go, you know, do this or do that. And it was something chore related outside that I didn't like doing. Like, let's say take mowing the lawn. Well, I'm daydreaming as I'm mowing the lawn <clears throat> and he looks at the lawn and my lines are all messed up and I've got like <laughs> gaps everywhere. I've got grass that I missed. I had no idea. Right. I hated mowing the lawn. I didn't want to put like... Right energy into mowing the lawn i wanted to daydream because my mind was that's just the way my mind worked right and so i did a terrible job with this same with the dishes 
Same with folding my laundry. Like, like you go to down the, the list and I did a terrible job with, with things that I didn't enjoy because the part of my, my brain that wanted to think to do something, which was to me, it was more fun right. than doing this boring thing was just completely interfering with my ability to do that right. thing. I hope that makes sense. Uh, I don't, I mean, you and I have talked about this, so mm-hmm. you might feel like you have a good grasp of that. Hopefully people. Well, sometimes I think it. it takes hearing it a couple different times. I would really recommend if you have somebody who has ADHD in your life, or if you yourself has it, go and buy the book ADHD 2.0. Yeah. It was really good. It was yeah. a really quick read. It, it wasn't bogged down by like boring science stuff. I know you love the science. I do too. But sometimes that can be really hard to read because you have to digest kind of slowly. This was a really quick kind of enjoyable read. Right. Some fun stories in there too. Yeah. <laughs> so so that is that is when ADHD is going wrong. Now there's also when ADHD is going right. Yeah. Which is if you enjoy what you're doing, the doing part of your brain is like supercharged. So and- I got to say I'm a little jealous <clears throat> of you. Like when you're hyper focused <laughs> and doing something like it's like a superpower. It, it it really is. Like I look at it, I'm like, holy cow, like how can you do this for so long? And and at that level, it that's just the gift of this, I think. Right. And I and I can tell you one of the big challenges with ADHD um is you sometimes feel like a genius and other times feel like a complete idiot. Yeah. Because really simple things that most people can do in their sleep are so hard and things that you're really interested in that some people are like, man, that's so tough comes so easy. And so you're kind of vacillating back and forth between this, like, wow, that was so easy. And I feel so smart. And then you're over here do, trying to do something that's that every, everybody else seemingly does like in their sleep and you mm-hmm. can't do it well. And you're like, what the heck is the matter with me? It's so confusing. Well, I've seen that in some of the kids that I know that have ADHD they really get depressed about mm-hmm. it and they get anxious about it too. There's this depression and anxiousness that like kind of feeds on ADHD because they're anxious about being called out about those monotonous things that they're doing and that they can't focus or that test that they took that they weren't interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't like math, so I don't want to do it, you know? Right. And you're like, well, why can't you just do it? You know? And they're like, well, I don't like it, you know? And then there's the depressive piece of like, man, I'm just not like everybody else in this. And I don't know why I can't do it. Like, it should be easy. Like, I should be able to do this. Right. I'm super frustrated. Like, why can't I focus on this? And they sit and they try, and it doesn't happen. And they sit and they try, and it doesn't happen. And then it just gets depressing. Like, man, if I can't do this, I'm going to get yelled at by my my parents who want me to do this, Mm -hmm. you know, and and, and I feel dumb now that I can't do this. Yeah. And, and I, I really like the fact that you brought up the should word because I, I have a real strong opposition (laughs) to that word. Well, I mean, there's so much. That's like your SH bad word. (laughs) Yeah. There's so much built into that. Like who knows what someone should or shouldn't be able to do. Like, I don't, I can't even. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't know for most of my life why I was struggling. I felt like I should be able to do this and I couldn't do it. And and I just shamed the heck out of myself and and it was bad for me. Yeah. Now I'm like, okay, I understand why this is difficult and I'm not going to say I should be able to do this. I'm going to say it would be nice if I would be able to do this, but this isn't my strength. So, right. you know, I, I figure it out. <clears throat> now, there is a... there. 
I want to be careful here because sometimes I feel like, you know, when we start to understand things, we give ourselves excuses. And right. I'm really trying hard not to give myself an excuse. Like I'm trying to, to do, be more mindful, meaning like when I'm doing something, really harness my focus as much as possible, be present. Um, really, I, I believe strongly in the power of meditation, which, which gives us a little bit of power to turn off that thinking part. So that can give us a little bit more help in the doing part when right. it comes to things that we don't want to do. So ultimately, I think that's um, that that's been a big part of of what's helped me. So what do we do <clears throat> for people that have this or know somebody who has this? Because parenting a child of ADHD that's a whole nother podcast. <clears throat> yeah, it's really tough. <laughs> so I would say that there's a couple things that you can do. That- or living with married to an ADHD can be very frustrating. Yeah, see, too. I don't know what that's like, yeah. but yeah, I know I frustrate myself, so I can only imagine <laughs> what you feel. Um, so the first thing, ADHD medication seems to be pretty effective. Well, I would stop right there. Yeah. I would say f- the first thing you want to do is really understand it in the context of that person, because this isn't going to look the same with every person who has ADHD. It mm-hmm. presents itself differently for every person. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you, you look at the diagnosis and there's like, you know, like 10 things for each one, right. you know, they don't have all 10. They have a, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you know? So really understanding and then how on the spectrum, are they mild? Are they severe? You know, where do, where, where are they on that spectrum? Yeah. So understanding what they have and how it works for them is really super important. And then you can go to the other things. Okay. Because like medication, yes. Let's talk about medication. So ultimately, medication seems to be the best way to help the dopamine system. Mm -hmm. So the two most common, at least historically, the two most common medications prescribed are Ritalin and Adderall. Mm -hmm. Um, those, Those both really drop a lot of dopamine into our dopamine systems, which can help us with our motivation and focus. Right. So that seems to be a big a big player in, in helping people. Um, I, I don't, I take a very low dose of Ritalin a few times a week. And then I, I take, um, L-tyrosine, which is a, um, what do you call it? I don't know where you're going with this. Well, (laughs) there's like a classification. There's vitamins and minerals and it's a supplement. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so I take that and and that's supposed to help your body create more dopamine. Right. Um, and so those two things seem to be kind of a good enough bump for me. So medication is kind of controversial with a lot of people. There yeah. are people that yeah. sit on the fence of like no medication. I'm not medication is medicating my child uh, because there are side effects <clears throat> to these medications. Um and then there are those that are like, absolutely, we're just going to do this. <clears throat> like, I, I can't, they can't function. I can't function. We're doing this. Right. We're medicating. Right. So I think it's really important to talk to the psychiatrist that is probably prescribing this and understand the medication, understand the side effects of the medication, the advantages, the disadvantages of it. Um, understand that there are lots of different medications. It's not just Ritalin or Adderall. Mm-hmm. Um, and even within there's like, um, the slow release type and and other things that you can get for yeah, these medications. Right. They all act different. They all have different side effects, disadvantages, advantages. So understanding the medication, I think, is really important. And then understanding how it works with your body. It's not going to manifest exactly the same with everybody. 
Um, you can have other things going on that, that have a medication interact with your body differently. Right. So um, for some people, it may be the wonder drug and for others, it may not. So really understanding how it works for you and how it's affecting you. You know, I had a doctor once tell um, my daughter and I that she had asthma that like, if you don't like this medication, don't take it. You know, you have to weigh out whether the side effects are more hurtful or, or helpful in this, in this scenario. Well, and that, and I think that's an important distinction to make for anyone that's dealing with, with anything in the psychiatric yes. realm. I mean, it's not just to say if you're dealing with any kind of, of chemicals that you're putting into your body, you have to be really open and honest with your doctor. Yes. Um, so when I first got this diagnosis, they gave me Stratera. Stratera was, is, is a non-stimulant mm-hmm. medication and didn't do anything. So then he gave me Ritalin and that like, that hit, like I, I noticed a difference. I can um, see a difference in you when you right, take your Ritalin and, right. and when it wears off. Right. But ultimately I, I would get headaches. So then we tried Adderall and I didn't really feel like that really did anything. Went back to the Ritalin, but lowered the dose and that seemed to work. So it's, it's, you know, it's kind of trial and error when mm-hmm. it comes to medication. And I, I guess it's trial and error with anything, even, even with some of the other things that we can do as far as like behavioral things. Um, I really appreciate Dr. Russell Barkley, who's got a bunch of really cool videos um, of presentations that he's given um, that are they're posted on YouTube. And I mean, just a wealth of information. Uh, a few things that I really, really appreciate is understanding kind of the disconnect between our, our, like our knowledge center in our brain mm-hmm. and our, our executive functioning in our brain, which is the doing stuff. And, and trying to put cues outside of yourself. So I have a lot of reminders on my phone, some of which this is stuff I've learned from you. So I have a mm-hmm. lot of alarms on my phone. I put reminders in my phone because I forget stuff. I just, right. I just do. So I need my phone to alert me and, and my phone has been a, a great way of organizing myself. Some people have a hard time using their phones because it's a, it's stimulation. So they right. pull it out and next thing you know, they're, they're playing, lost. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're going down the rabbit hole. They're playing some game. Right. Um, so if you have the discipline to use your phone for that purpose, great. If you, if you don't, then, you know, you can use paper and pencil. I know some people take it around with them everywhere they go and that's, that works for right. them. So you have to kind of figure out what you can do in order to, to manage the deficit part of, of ADHD. So once you've kind of figured, okay, what are my big challenges? Is it impulsiveness? Is it organization? Is it, you know, what, what, and, and then you can kind of attack each of those things. That's where therapy can come right. in. Um, so becoming aware of, of what the issues are and then attacking those issues. Impul- impulsivity is a tough one. Um, I, I like therapy for impulsivity because the, they, there's always good recommendations for what thing, you know, how to slow people down. Right. Um, Again, meditation is is huge, huge, huge. Everybody that comes into my office that has impulsivity issues, that's the first thing I ask them to do. And and look, I get it. Like I remember when I was told try to meditate, and I was thinking, like that sounds like somebody, something, some you know person is doing over in Asia that is a farmer. You know, I I, I didn't even know what to think, but it just didn't sound like something I could do or wanted to do. Well, it's also difficult if you don't meditate regularly. <laughs> It's like it's a muscle. Very difficult at first. You know, when yeah, you, when you get it, you're going to be really bad at it. But with time, it becomes easier to do. It, right. it actually is a really practiced thing. Right. You have to practice it. Um, so the first several times you do it, it may not be enjoyable at all. 
No. And and I think that, that that needs to be the warning that label that goes out there, you know. It can be really difficult. And and I think that it's always it there's always a challenge associated with it. But but again, mm-hmm. like you said, but it but using, it ends up being pleasurable and, and, right. and beneficial. Right. It, you just need to stick through it. I guess I, that's kind of what I'm saying. I don't want to scare people from meditating. I think it's it's a great thing. But for myself, like the first couple of times I tried it, I was like, I ain't doing this this like no. Well, you a lot know. of people get bored. And yeah, and it's it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> but the more you do it, the easier it gets is what I'm saying. Right. You, so you, stick with it. Yeah, you kind of train your brain and your brain gets to a point where it's like, oh, this is okay. I like this. I like this. It's, it's okay. Like our, you know, my oldest son um, appears to have ADHD. I can't diagnose him because right. I'm his dad, but, but we haven't gotten a diagnosis yet because we're still trying to figure out if we can kind of institute – things here that will help him enough that he doesn't need medication, but, but we're still on the fence on whether or not that's going to work. But we started doing meditation and we'd, we'd do, I don't know, five or 10 minutes or whatever. Not even that. I think it was like two or three minutes. Okay. Okay. And we'd all stop. <laughs> Felt like five or 10. Yeah. And we'd all stop and, and then we're looking over at him and he's still going. Right. Right. Yeah. So, he would, the, the, the app would be done and, and over and he's still got his eyes closed and he's just sitting there and which is not, not he's him. more like a hyperactive yeah. and attentive. Yeah. He's both. Very, very active and very impulsive. Mm-hmm. So watching him be still was amazing. And I was like, Whoa, this works, mm-hmm. you know? And it was interesting because I asked him afterwards and he said that he felt like calmer, like he mm-hmm. could feel his mind just being calm and he enjoyed that feeling. Right. You know, so maybe the, the understanding of like, if you have a child with this, you don't understand maybe what their mind is going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's helped me as somebody who isn't neurodivergent here, understanding that like maybe your mind works very differently. It works in its own beautiful way. But if it's on all the time and it's just bouncing from here to there or daydreaming all the time, that's got to be terribly frustrating and it's exhausting and, exhausting yeah. and distracting. And so just to understand that this isn't necessarily like you don't want to do it. It's a, maybe I don't have the ability to do it. I need to learn how to harness my mind, which takes time Mm -hmm. in order to do those things and to function in a way that, that society is going to be like, okay, they're okay. Yeah. So understanding it, I think is really key with this. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. Well, that is going to wrap it up for uh, this podcast. Hopefully that was helpful. If you had any questions about anything that we talked about, uh, please feel free to contact us at workingchangecoaching at gmail.com. Nice. <laughs> and um, that's that's the easiest, probably the easiest way yeah. to, to reach us. Um, I do a lot of work with obviously myself, um, but also with clients uh, for ADHD. So um, sometimes people have just simple questions and, you know, Hey, I don't know what to do. Um, we're happy to, to help out in any way that we can. And that's it for this week. Thanks for being yeah. with us.